What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Rocket Roundup. On this week's episode, we have Starship development and testing updates, Osiris Rex asteroid miss- mission, JAXA hiring more astronauts, Axiom Space completing the system requirements review on their ISS module. Lastly, launch recap and upcoming launches. Let's get right into it. The SpaceX team down in South Texas have done a lot this week. To start, two pre-burner tests were conducted on the prototype SN8, which is the first vehicle to have three Raptor engines. A pre-burner test is when enough fuel is sent into the engine, but not enough to actually start combustion. So the pre-burner, which starts the process of combustion on the Raptor engine, will start with the fuel it was given and ignite for a very short period of time. The first pre-burner test that SpaceX conducted was early Monday morning. Then on Tuesday, another pre-burner was conducted. This time, it was conducted early enough on the test window, so SpaceX had enough time for another test, which ended up being the first successful static fire with three engines. CEO Elon Musk confirmed a successful test afterwards on Twitter and said that SN8 was ready for nose cone stacking, which is exactly what happened next. Last week, we left off with SN8's nose cone about to be stacked onto a five-ring section. This ended up happening on Monday, the same day as the first pre-Bruna test. After stacking, SpaceX welded the nose and ring section together. All left to do was to move the nose cone to the test site, which SpaceX did on Wednesday. In order to stack the nose cone up 30 to 40 meters or 100 to 130 feet, a huge crane is needed. This crane, named Tankzilla, was moved to the test site the same day as, um, as the nose cone. Then stacking operations started. Tankzilla lofted the nose cone about 115 feet on top of SN8. SN8 really looks like an actual rocket now. You should go check out pictures of SN8 fully stacks, uh, stacked on my Instagram at rocket.roundup. Up next for SN8 is another static fire, but this, t- this time drawing propellant from the nose cone's header tank. Essential to the Starship design, uh, there is a propellant tank in the nose cone which is used for landing. This will be a first for testing and is being tested on a test stand now because it will be needed for the 15km test flight. During the 15km test flight, SN8 will launch and go up 15km, turn off its Raptor engines, use the fins to face in a belly flop position parallel to the ground. Then, when close enough to the ground, the fins will again be used to start the transition to be facing upright. And at a very low position, the propellant from the header tank will be used to light the Raptor engines again for landing. The very last thing to happen in the flight is the landing legs deploying to land. If SpaceX can do all this correctly, they'll have overcome a great challenge of engineering. But I give it a 50-50 chance of happening on the first try successfully. Something very well could go wrong and cause a loss of vehicle, aka a big boom. Like I mentioned earlier, the only thing before this test flight is a static fire using header tank propellant. Road closure dates are posted on the Cameron County website starting on Wednesday the 28th. From 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. Central Time. On Thursday, there's a backup date for the same time. On Friday, there's a closure from 5 to 11 a.m. Central Time. In my opinion, this could be to move the, move the giant crane uh, that's at the test site for stacking SN8. They might be able to find a safe spot for the crane during a static fire, but before the 15-kilometer test flight, they might want to move it out of the way, which means back to the build site. Anyways, lots of big milestones for S- for the SN8 t- test campaign coming up. Before we wrap this section of the episode up, let's talk about some other cool things going on in South Texas. 
First, a Pathfinder nose cone that was used to practice building techniques has been painted white with a NASA worm logo and the American flag. If you knew anything about the Artemis program, this sounds a lot like the Starship Lunar Lander for the Artemis Human Landing System program. Because this nose cone will be used as a mock-up of the HLS Starship. The other two companies in the HLS program both made mock-ups of their landers. Now it's SpaceX's turn. Now that we have the nose cone all painted and ready, I'm wondering which existing Starship prototype will get painted white to look like the moon Starship. The current options are SN5 or SN6. Both have completed 150 meter hops and look like they have completed their life of testing. So either could be used as a mock-up. This also really makes sense to use either of these two because the HLS Starship doesn't have heat tiles or flaps, and neither do SN5 or 6. Once completed, this would be a really cool thing to show off to the public. Like saying, we're really in this thing. We're going to the moon. That's if they get the HLS contract. But either way, it would inspire a lot of people. Secondly, Elon said on Twitter that they are have plans to make a 360-degree bar on top of the high bit. This goes along with the plans to make Boca Chica... Uh, Texas, a spaceport. I have many attractions for the g general public to go and see, just like the restaurant they're building, which I've talked about in some earlier episodes. They'll most likely have housing, food, launch viewing areas, and stores all down in Boca Chica. This will be very good for the economy in South Texas. Currently, it's a area plagued by crime like drug tra trafficking. By result, the economy is very underdeveloped. SpaceX are trying to build a sustainable economy in South Texas around their Starship program. That's all from Starship this week. Next, it's OSIRIS-REx updates. NASA's asteroid return mission, OSIRIS-REx, going to the asteroid Bennu, completed the touch-and-go or tag maneuver on Tuesday. OSIRIS-REx used its beak-like collection tool na named TagSAM to collect some regolith from Bennu's surface. The TagSAM spent about five seconds on the surface of Bennu. During those five seconds, nitrogen gas blowed up from the blowed from the tag sand, then was collected when shaken up. This operation is comparable to kicking up some dirt, then vacuuming it up. On Friday, the OSIRIS-REx team held a press conference and confirmed a successful capture of Bennu's regolith. They actually had more than enough wanted in the mission requirements. There is one problem, though. Some mass was lost after the camp capturing process, and the team is working on permanently stowing the material without more ish issues losing the regolith. They know they still have about, uh, they still have above the 60 gram requirement for the mission temporarily stowed on the vehicle. They just needed to speed up the permanent storage solution. A Sirius Rex will stay near Bennu until 2021 when it'll embark on its journey back to Earth. It will reach Earth in 2023, making the first time the United States has brought regolith samples back from an asteroid. Japan was the first country to do so. The United States will be the second. Comparable, uh, compared to the Japanese samples, the U.S. samples will be enormous. The original samples from Japan collected were basically particles. JAXA, the Japanese Aerospace Exploration Agency, did this with Hayabusa 1 and will be bringing back even more asteroid samples in December of this year with Hayabusa 2. Hayabusa 2 will bring back 100 milligrams, which is a great achievement for any country. I'm hoping for a successful return of Osiris-Rex and in the short term, Hayabusa 2. All right, on to more cool information about JAXA. The Japanese Aerospace Exploration Agency, or JAXA, announced on Friday that they'll be recruiting a new class of astronauts in 2021 to be involved in the Artemis program. The government is said to start accepting applications next fall. This is the first time in 13 years that Japan is recruiting a new class of astronauts. 
They currently have a very veteran team of astronauts carrying the weight of the missions. JAXA usually has a new class every five years, but have stopped doing so because of the lack of crewed launch opportunities. Now with more launch opportunities coming up with lots of flights to the International Space Station and missions to the moon starting in 2024, JAXA is going to need all the astronauts they can get. JAXA, JAXA astronaut Soichi Noguchi will be launching on SpaceX and NASA Crew-1 mission along with three NASA astronauts. NASA bought to the, the flight to the International Space Station from SpaceX and resold it to JAXA. JAXA will get many more opportunities to buy ISS flights from NASA with flights now happening about every six months. And NASA will be using two commercial vehicles to do so. Flight-proofing Crew Dragon and upcoming Starliner, which is made in being operated by Boeing. These ISS flights will be great experience for both experiences for both agencies planning to not only land on the moon, but to have a sustainable lunar presence. It is expected that NASA will sell spots on the Orion capsule launched by the SLS to JAXA and other agencies for moon missions, just like how they sell seats on Crew Dragon and soon-to-be Starliner to the International Space Station. The very first Artemis missions will be U.S.-only uh, astronauts, starting with Crew a crude flyby of the moon in 2023, then hopefully a landing in 2024. After NASA has a couple yearly landings under the belt, they will most likely start selling the seats to other J- agencies, like including JAXA, the CSA, and the ESA. The CSA is a Canada space agency, and ESA is the European Space Agency. In conclusion, conclusion ja- Japan has a bright future ahead collaborating with other countries like the United States and European countries in space exploration. Next, Axiom Space has completed the system requirements review for their first module to the International Space Station and their eventual own space station. Axiom Space, a company commercializing low Earth orbit, has completed their system requirements review for their space station that will attach to the International Space Station. This was done through NASA because they will be paying for their first module to attach to the ISS, which will be a habitation module. Axiom is now in the primary design phase for this project. They are targeting 2024 to launch the first module, then adding a module every year after that until the ISS retires. Then the Axiom station will detach from the ISS and be its own self-sufficient space station. The addition to the ISS offers the opportunity for more astronauts to live on the orbiting laboratory, most likely commercial visitors, sent up on an Axiom mission. Axiom is already starting to send up customers to the International Space Station next year on a SpaceX Crew Dragon. On the mission uh, named AX, AX-1, our veteran astronaut Mike Lopez Alguria, Tom Cruise, a film director, and a yet-to-be-named customer. Astronaut nicknamed LA will be the Axiom employee for the mission and mission commander. This is important for Axiom to have an employee abo- on board the mission uh, to manage the mission and help the customers who are new to space. LA has spent uh, 257 days in space, had four missions, 10 spacewalks, the most of any American. LA will be a great help on this mission. Sending up customers to the ISS will give Axiom great experience for when they have their own station and no help from NASA. Axiom most likely will have their own complete state space station around 2030 when the International Space Station is retired. Before then, they will attach all their modules to the International Space Station and use International Space Station hardware to their advantage. Well, that's it from Axiom Space. We'll be sure to provide um, for further updates when Axiom makes substantial progress. Now for the last topic of the episode, launches this past week and upcoming, upcoming launches. The only successful launch attempt of this last week was SpaceX's Starlink L14, which launched yesterday.
The first attempt of this launch was on Thursday, but was scrubbed due to the loss of the second stage camera about 20 minutes before flight. There was no problems with the second stage. SpaceX just wanted to be very safe. The issues with the second stage camera were resolved and SpaceX had a successful launch on Saturday. The booster for this mission was B-1060 with its third flight. Its first flight was this past June for GPS-3 SV-03. Then its second flight was Starlink launch 11, 51 days ago in, in September, tying for the fastest reuse record of a booster. B-1060 landed on drone ship just read the instructions about 400 miles northeast of the Cape Canaveral launch site. With this mission, 60 more, link, more Starlink satellites were launched into orbit, closing in on 900 launched Starlink satellites. As I mentioned in the last episode, Rocket Lab was supposed to have a launch this past week also, but it was scrubbed due to sensors showing something they didn't like. No other information was released about this issue. But it was released that they are now targeting Wednesday the 28th for another launch attempt of the InFocus mission. If you want more information on this mission, check out last week's episode. Some other upcoming launches are SpaceX launching an NROL, NROL payload. This mission will be in RTLS, which stands for Return to Launch Site, where the first stage will land at one of the landing zones in at Vandenberg Air, Vandenberg Air Force Base. This mission could possibly launch before the end of October, but will most likely slip to the beginning of November. No other information is available about the, about the mission. The scrub GPS, GPS-3 SVO-3 mission still doesn't have a launch date after the scrub due to an engine issue. This information was help, helpful, though, and was identified on the other new boosters due to launch soon. One engine is being replaced. On, on B-1061 for the Crew-1 mission and B-1063 for the Sentinel-6 mission, both for NASA. Sentinel-6 is now is still targeting November 10th. SpaceX and NASA will use this mission's data and see how their solution to the engine issue worked. Then, if everything comes back good, we'll go ahead with the Crew-1 International Space Station mission. Crew-1 is targeting mid-November after the Sentinel-6 mission. There might be one SpaceX flight before the Sentinel-6 mission, no earlier than November 10th, but SpaceX might want to focus on the issues with the new boosters rather than pumping out more missions with reused boosters. That's it for this episode of the Rocket Roundup. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed, consider giving us five stars on whatever platform you're using, and make sure to come back every Sunday for a new episode. Peace.